No matter if the economy is up or down, healthcare careers continue to grow, especially in management. Stevenson University Online's Master's in Healthcare Management can put your career on a new track, especially for career changers with previous business, HR, or technology backgrounds. Discover new opportunities with our healthcare management masters. No GREs, no application fees, and 100% online. Visit online.stevenson.edu slash healthcare management. G'day everyone, Lauren Cress, the business scientist here. Hope you've been having an awesome start to the week. So today is our interview day and I've got, I made a decision, made a last minute decision. We're going to be, I'm going to be sharing with you an episode I did with Den Lenny recently. We did a live stream episode, it's on YouTube and on LinkedIn. Uh, and what I do on YouTube is I actually post a little like highlight video as well, like my favorite sort of 10 to 20 minutes of each podcast if you want to sort of check that out first before you listen to a whole podcast but you're here now you're listening so let me tell you what this is all about so Dan Lenny is a podcaster and he is an entrepreneur his podcast is called how to scale a video business and I was actually on it recently they just got up to I think they're over their 100th episode now we recorded this a few weeks back and at the time it was just before the episode of Dan and I together on his podcast show was released, uh, which was really interesting actually, we got to talk about like neuroscience and sort of how the brain works and how by understanding that we can be more productive. But specifically, if you're someone who's quite creative, so if you work in a creative field and then on this show today, what Dan and I talk about is sort of what he's learned about helping creatives to scale their business. So kind of going from that feast and famine of being a freelancer to being an entrepreneur and building a video business. There's some really, really great advice here. Dan is an amazing guest. Like he's just so on point with so many things. Uh, It was so great to interview him. Such a pleasure to speak with him. So many insights in this episode. If you want to find out more about Dan and what he does, head over to danlenny.com. The link is in his show notes. And if you want to check out his podcast, it's called How to Scale a Video Business. So you can look that up wherever you listen to this one as well. I'd highly recommend checking it out. Uh, just before we get on to today's episode, as always, if you find this useful, share it with the people who you love, who you care about, who you know will get a lot out of this, right? Like, there's a lot of bad advice out there and I'm telling you right now like this advice is good advice. Uh, it's solid, it's no bullshit. Uh, Den's very honest <laughs> about what it takes to run a business and to run a business effectively and what you need to do. So really awesome podcast. If you know anyone out there specifically if they're in a creative field, like they're a graphic designer, if they're running a video business. Um, But for you, if you're not a creative, that's fine as well. There's still so much in here, so much great advice. And Dan is just awesome person to listen to. So uh, enjoy the show. If you enjoy the podcast, if you've been enjoying the three episodes per week, please also leave a positive rating and review. It really, really helps to grow the show. And as always, if you can afford to shout me a cup of coffee. I don't know if shout is an only an Australianism. Um, I remember American telling me they didn't know what that meant. When I say shout, I mean as in like, if you'd like to buy me a cup of coffee on you for me to keep my caffeine addiction going, to keep me pumping out all of this content, you can head over to my Ko-fi page. That's ko-fi.com. 
forward slash Lauren Cress. Link is also in the show notes. Anything you can do would really appreciate it. But if you can't afford it, if you're like, I really love this podcast and I'd love to contribute, but it's just not something that I can do right now financially, that's totally cool. No problems at all. The idea is that there's people who can afford it who will pay for it and if you can't, you're you not one of those people in those position in that position at the moment, that's fine, it's free. I don't want to make this content gated. I don't want to like create an online course and charge a whole heap of money for content or some sort of membership fee. I'd rather it be like for people who can afford it, great, pay me for the work I'm doing. For those of you who can't, that's fine, someone else will pay. So that's kind of my philosophy with this. Uh, we're just about to head over to the main part of this episode. There'll be a little ad break here and then we'll get on to the show. Be back in a tick. Innovation happens in the blink of an eye. And to understand the implications, you need a credible source that helps to make sense of it all. Stay up to date on the most pressing innovation issues shaping the world today by subscribing to Better Innovation, a podcast featuring top management strategists, policymakers, and leading innovation thought leaders from across the globe. Going into its sixth season, Better Innovation, hosted by Jeff Saviano, a global innovation leader with EY, delves into how innovative technologies like blockchain, artificial intelligence, digital currencies, and the promise of Web 3.0 are transforming the global landscape. Featuring elite guests like Jeremy Allaire, CEO of Circle Financial, authors Whitney Johnson and Rita McGrath, former U.S. Cabinet member Andrew Card, and a number of leading MIT scientists. Subscribe today and hear more from these distinguished guests. Subscribe to Better Innovation on your favorite podcast platform. Hey, there's something different about my mango pineapple smoothie. Really? My caramel frappe tastes fine. Nah, something's definitely different. No difference? Other than I got them for half off because I ordered on the app. Well, that explains it. Explains what? How things seem to taste so much better when you're getting a sweet deal. Okay. (laughs) Right now at Mickey D's, get 50% off any size McCafe beverage when you order through the McDonald's app. Limited time only at participating McDonald's. Follow one time per day. Visit McDonald's app for details. Download and registration required. Really funny start to our uh, live stream there with Dan, which wasn't on LinkedIn, so you didn't see it. But if you go to my Facebook page at the moment, you'll see a little blooper, which is quite funny. Um, So Dan Lenny is joining me today. Dan, I'll get you to introduce yourself. I'm really excited about what we're speaking about today. Uh, So can you tell us a little bit about you and what you do? Sure. So I primarily help video business owners, but that can extend to creative business owners to scale their business from a freelancer to running a proper business. And that's probably in a nutshell, the best way to describe what I do. We also have a podcast, which you were a guest on just uh, well, you're going out next week, actually. Oh, we just hit a hundredth, hundredth episode. So we're, we've been doing this a little while and I've been doing what I do in television since 1994 so wow. i've been doing it a little while and nowadays i just help business owners to grow into proper businesses i love it i love it i think you know having worked with a lot of creatives i think it can be so challenging for creative people and i would consider myself a creative person as well and i struggle with this to actually focus in on running a business, you know, to work and work out how that looks. And what I see a lot of really talented creatives do, and I've definitely fallen into this trap myself is freelance. Uh, So can you talk a little bit about the difference between running, you know, a creative freelance business versus running a creative business? What, What does that look like? 
Well, I think where I like to start with this is that I think there's some commonalities between creative people and, and they are one of empathy, one of sensitivity and one of, um, you know, always seeking to, to learn something new, to be inspired. And what can happen is that all of those great traits that makes our, make us great storytellers or great creators are not necessarily great skills when it comes to running a business because to build and grow a successful business, there's a degree of monotony. There's a degree of doing lots of repetitive tasks consistently every single day, things like tracking statistics, having KPIs, having a measure so you can benchmark your growth and your progress, having systems and processes. And all of those things to a creative make you want to run a mile. Um, and, and that was me as well until I discovered that to have the things I want to have in my life, I, I couldn't continue to be a freelancer. And the main reason for that is that as a freelancer, you're like the, the, the engineer in your business. You are the person who does everything. So if you're a, uh, uh, a graphic designer, there's a very good chance you'll take the brief and you'll do the work in InDesign or in Photoshop. If you're a filmmaker, there's a very good chance as a freelancer, maybe you started life as a cameraman or as an editor. You're probably going to, when you start doing sort of smaller projects or moving away from just being a freelancer to doing bigger projects, you're going to end up doing all of the work yourself because the freelance mentality is one of feast and famine, one where you're consistently chasing the next job. And then when you get the job, you're doing the work, but you're not doing any marketing. And so what happens is the job finishes, you get paid, the client's thrilled. You're like, well, hey, I did a great job. Oh my God, I've got no work. Shit, panic. Oh, what do we do now? Up, down, up, down. And that roller coaster of feast and famine just gets exhausting. And 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 I did this when I was still in the UK. I had a pretty successful business. I started as a freelancer, had an accident, bust my leg, had to stop that, went to some different jobs for a while within the industry, and then set up a business. And then for three years running, hit exactly the same turnover year after year. Because I was the constraint, I was doing everything myself, and the biggest challenge was mindset, the mindset of letting go and thinking that I could only do the work. And I think that's one of the biggest obstacles that, that freelance creatives have, is they, they believe only they can do the work. Every, you know, it's so interesting because everything that you're saying is like me. Like it's, and it's so funny because I don't, I, th I don't market myself as a creative person. Um, and obviously I have the, the science aspect to what I, you know, bring to the table in business as well. But I always like to share, like, if I can relate to, to what my guest is talking about, I always like to bring myself into it because I think I ask better questions in that, in that headspace. Right. So one thing that I really struggle with, like when you mentioned the thing about analytics and stuff. Right. So I obviously I'm a massive promoter of like, you've got to look at analytics, you've got to look at your content performance, all that kind of stuff. But also I know that doing that when you're in a creative mindset, that can really stuff your uh, stuff up your creativity because then you're worried about what everyone else thinks about what you're, you're creating. So how do you balance those things out? How do you sort of switch between like, I've got to worry about what other people think and then I've got to create something that's that's valuable, you know? Yeah, that's a great question. And and the fact is, I think it's ego mostly. 
and, and, and not ego in the sense that well, I'm a great cameraman and if people don't love me, I'm going to you know, go into a corner and start rocking and they'll cry into my hands. I'm talking about the ego that's trying to protect us the whole time, that that croc brain that's trying to save us from being eaten by the saber-toothed tiger and find food. And, 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 you know, I know this is an area you really specialize in, but to kind of sort of paraphrase where I'm coming, coming from with this is that once you start to understand more about how you how your body and brain works and how your nervous system works and how you can process some of the information some of the threats that come into us so i think as creatives we can be sensitive to threat and threat can be someone not liking our work or threat can be some you know, we put a lot of work into a creative project we deliver it to the client and they want a change and we can take that very personally so i think what changed for me was understanding that there is a middle ground between being the hard-nosed business person which is sell sell next deal next deal i spent two years working for a sales company in a business development role in broadcast sales and it couldn't have been more different from the creative process because that business was you sell well done next well done next what's next what's next the, the goalpost was always moving further away so what i was able to do lauren was to really truly understand commerce and what that looks like and truly understand the creative process and find a way, which is what I did really with my, my program, my, my accelerator program was find a way to put the filter of creativity on the business metrics that are just required for business. And then the second thing was to deploy extreme ownership and, and understand that everything in my business that is a success or a failure or in my life is a hundred percent down to me and one of the um one of the greatest lessons is being married i've been married 10 years this year been with my 15 years and and in a relationship you know, you're constantly battling your own demons, your own ego in, in a partnership with two imperfect human beings spinning around on this massive blob of molten metal in the universe. So when you try and strip that back into running a business, all of that stuff is happening out there. Um, but but ultimately, you've got to consider what it, what is it you're doing in your business? How much of your outside influence is impacting what's happening in your business? And, and really simply put... Um, I read a great book called Extreme Ownership by Jocko Willink, How Navy Seals Lead and Win. And it's quite a, it's really quite a masculine book. I mean, that's what people who, female friends who've, who've read it said, you know, it, it's great, but it's very much a, a masculine book. But that doesn't mean it's necessarily for men. But it really, the, the premise of that book is that just own your shit. And so I think that was step one, owning my shit. Step two was stop being a petulant creative and i'm talking to myself here who thinks that you can have everything you want when you want the fact is when business the the your 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 skills or your product is just an obstacle in the way of the client getting their result. The client doesn't come to you wanting a video or wanting graphic design or wanting some other piece of creativity. That's not what they want. They want the result and outcome that that piece of content or marketing will bring to them. And I feel that, and I've spoken to thousands of creatives, the ones that succeed are the ones who get commerce and who understand that, 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 that any investment that is made in creativity by a business has to have a return. And when you, when you, when you completely and utterly marry that up with your own mindset, then you understand that um, 
you, you, you approach business in a different way. You start to think of how is this piece of content? How can I help my client achieve their result? I hope that makes sense. It does make sense. Just quickly want to give a shout out to Carl Go. Sorry, Carl. I know you commented like quite quite a few minutes ago, but Carl said it's pretty accurate when you're talking about the, the feast and famine thing. So feast or famine is exactly the killer. Most can't keep going. It's even worse when you charge VC money. Yeah, everything stops. How do you address that issue? So I guess you're asking, Carl, like how do you address the, the issue of not having any money and then having to keep sort of going, I hope I, I kind of got that that right. What's your yeah. thoughts on that, uh, that, that? That's a great question and one that I think will resonate with the audience for sure. Other banks go out of their way to make redeeming credit card rewards needlessly complicated, like how they require minimums or force you to use your rewards before reaching some arbitrary expiration date. But Discover isn't like that. With Discover, you can redeem your rewards for cash in any amount, at any time. So you'll never have to jump through hoops. Unless you're like a trapezist, then by all means, go right ahead. Learn more at discover.com slash redeem rewards. Terms apply. So if you haven't got any money, if we put the lens of extreme ownership on it, on top of that, it's because you're not selling enough. It's as simple as that. I, I think some creatives see sales as a dirty word. Oh, I don't want to, you know, I want to sell. I want my work to speak for itself. It's bullshit, okay? You have to <laughs> learn to sell. There is, there is no way on this, this earth you're building a business without learning how to sell. There are two things that you need to become absolutely proficient with if you're generating under a million dollars a year, and that is sales and marketing, two things. And the other two things that constrain a business, it's either a marketing, marketing issue or a capacity issue. If you haven't got enough work and you haven't got enough money, it's because you don't have enough marketing that's being effectively deployed to generate inquiries that you're then nurturing into a conversation where that client wants to work with you and you have a sales conversation. If you've got too much work and you're doing everything yourself, you have a capacity issue. Two problems, capacity or sales. So let's go back to sales and selling. I want to to encourage the audience who, who feels like uncomfortable when I say the word, you need to become a master of sales. And think of this, think of sales as serving. Think, think of sales as serving. And, and think about the skills that you have as a creative and the enormous amount of experience you have and your ability to take a, a complex idea and turn it into something very tangible with a piece of graphic design or video or audio or music that invokes a response with the target market that the prospective client is looking to hit with the, with the, the marketing. And, and your piece of work, because you understand human behavior and you understand how people behave and think, will invoke a response and that response will end up in a sale for the client. That is serving. And then the second part of that is uh, and this can be confronting for some people, but hey, you know, I'm going to say it anyway. Um, you are being selfish if you don't serve your clients by selling them. Because if you have this skill, I guarantee right now in Australia, there are probably 500 people sitting in a room somewhere with a problem that can be fixed with the skills that you have, and they don't know you exist. So your job with the extreme ownership hat on, your job is to make sure you do as much as you can to get your message in front of your target market 
And that is what marketing is. It's putting the right message in front of the right market at the right time. And that involves a lot of work. That involves a lot of discipline because you have to understand and identify who is your target market. Where are they? What challenges are they having? You need to go and talk to them and ask them, not assume you know what their problems are. And most people are not willing to do that, which is why most people complain that they, have, they don't have any money. Uh, and, it, and it's blunt and it's brutal, but that is just the facts of business. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more with you on that second point. Uh, one thing that I'm often saying to my clients who are more generally consulting, like not necessarily creatives, but more in the consulting space, and they'll be like, oh, you know, but I don't want to be too self-promotional. I don't want to be too self-promotional and I don't mean to be mocking, but that that's, that's actually how people talk about it. It's sort of like, Oh yeah. God, like, and, um, and what I think is really interesting as you were speaking and cause you, maybe cause you mentioned ego before the the connection that I made in my brain is actually, it's more egocentric to worry about those things. Like when you, when you change that, right. When you say serving and you go, okay, I've, People need my help. I need to find a way to get to them. It's actually about them. And when you start thinking about them and then go, oh, no, I can't do that because I don't want to look like this, that's an ego response, right? So it's actually right. like weirdly like the other way around to I think what a lot of people – do you get what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. No, I mean, I, I, I'm going to say it. Creative people are inherently selfish, and, <laughs> and I am one of those people because – we spend so much time and it's a fine balance, but we spend so much time worried about how we feel. And that is why you're not more successful. And when you flip all of your attention to how your clients feel, everything changes. So I've been running my business for 11 years and we've, we've spent tens of thousands of dollars on Google, on Facebook. We've done, hundreds of videos on YouTube. We've done a hundred podcasts. We've done hundreds of videos across all sorts of mediums. We've tested blogs. We've tested landing pages. We've tested everything. We've put content on every possible social media platform. We've done Snapchat, Twitter, blah, 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 blah. And, 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 and late last year, I went, what if I just focus all of my energy on two things. One is doing a podcast once a week. I actually do it twice a week, two podcasts a week and give that for free. I've got three books I've written. They go out on Amazon or there's places you get them for free. Um, and, and then I put the rest of my energy into helping my paying clients succeed. And so I did that. I focused all of my available energy on making sure I understand every piece of need my paying clients have and serving them to the highest of my ability and genuinely caring about their success. And since doing that, I don't worry about anything else. Yes, I post a bit on LinkedIn. Yes, I post a bit on Facebook. And yes, I do my pod podcast. But mostly I just take my podcast and put it on Facebook and LinkedIn. Yes, we run paid ads. Yes, I, I do other things. But my main focus is on serving my clients. And since then, my business has blown up. Mm. So think about that. Think about the energy of just supporting your clients to succeed. And if that's your main focus, then it will blow you away. And the second thing that's had a massive impact is just daily meditation and actually calming the brain down, giving the brain a chance to refresh and, and removing all attachment to everything. And so when someone cancels, they cancel. When someone joins, they join. If someone unsubscribes, they unsubscribe. It's, it's not about me anymore. 
I've put I've gone internally with the meditation to to make external forces not matter anymore. It kind of almost sounds like that's a great way also of dealing with the roller coaster. Cause even when you've got every system set up properly and everything, I've, I've got to ask you about your time management in a second. Cause you mm-hmm. are doing a lot. You're like, I'm just focusing on, focusing on this, this, <laughs> like that's a lot. <laughs> yeah. But like with this roller coaster ride, like even in the most structured and well-planned sort of businesses, I mean, we had COVID-19 this year, like what a lesson to learn, right? Like something completely out of our control. I mean, it's still happening, but hopefully the the kind of worst of it, it we're kind of through. Um, do you kind of think that like, you know, the meditation helps with sort of keeping you grounded through that? Yeah. There's things that just are not in my, in my control. Yeah. I mean, I, I meditate an hour a day. I do half an hour in the morning and half an hour in the evening. But the great thing is I do it lying in bed. I use Joe Dispenza's morning meditation and Joe Dispenza's evening meditation. And Dr. Joe Dispenza, you know, bridges the gap between, um, you know, this world and, and the fifth dimension. And it sounds a bit freaky. And when you first start doing it, you're like, this is crackpot stuff. And then you get into it and then you realize the power that's untapped. But I don't want to make this about meditation because there's plenty of resources on that. So what, what it does for me is it resets me first thing in the morning and sets me up for the day to remind myself that this is a new day and I, I, I can have limitless power if I choose to have it. And at the end of the day, I process everything. I, I accept what's happened in the day. I take a lesson from it. And then I, and then I allow my brain to process the information overnight. So it's just, there is a lot of science in, in that. And that's something I know you probably do have a lot of experience on. But to talk more about how I, because I say those things that I've just said, and I'm like, well, this is just what I do. I don't see, I don't think it's a lot of work, but that's because I've got the discipline of structure. So structure and discipline will set you free. And as a creative, that was something I learned the hard way. So I'll share a bit about how I run my week. On a Monday, I, I call that uh, uh, content day. So I actually either create content for my members or I, or I, or I make content for my, for my marketing, for my podcast. Tuesday is community day. So Tuesday is when I do my coaching calls. I have two big coaching calls with clients, one in the morning for the Aussies and the US clients and one in the evening for the European and Aussie clients. So I do about four hours of coaching calls on a Tuesday. I also speak to my marketing mentor. We have a half hour call. I also record a podcast. Uh, Wednesdays, I take Wednesday mornings usually fairly free to do things like this because I've had a big coaching day on a Tuesday and I'm usually pretty exhausted. And, and I feel like when, when you're giving great value to your clients, you should be exhausted at the end of it because then you've you've given everything you could and that, that creates a lot of value. Um, I've got some sales calls today. I don't typically have sales calls on a Wednesday. Wednesday, but we just ran a campaign. We had a, 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 quite a flood of, of new inquiries, so we'll do that. But usually Wednesday and Thursday are sales and other kind of you know business development tasks. So sales and marketing, you see them writing email campaigns, creating Facebook campaigns. Um, I also on a Monday morning will do a weekly scorecard. So I have a very simple spreadsheet with number of podcasts downloaded, number of podcast listeners, site traffic, how much did we spend on Facebook in the last seven days. And I use that to, to base my intentions for the week based on the hard data of what's happening so for example we had a a free ebook we were running and it wasn't really working as an incentive to get people to subscribe for the podcast so we 
we I spoke to a client. We had a 20 minute call. I asked him what he would think would be valuable. He gave me an idea. We put that together and it completely transformed. And we're getting people signing up all the time. So anyway, Wednesday, Thursday tends to be sales and marketing day. So two full days a week I spend on sales and marketing. And on Friday, it's usually content and or spare. I try to have Friday afternoons off. Um, I tend to have an easier Wednesday morning. So I probably... I probably spend about four days a week completely committed to the business. Um, but as a business owner, I'm always reading or listening or watching or studying or attending sales calls or attending seminars. Um, I typically won't work on a Saturday. I usually have that as a free day. Um, and on a Sunday, I like to do a bit of work because it's quiet. I tend to get in the office by about 9.30 in the morning, I'm usually up about seven, walk the dogs, have a bit of time with Sam, have a coffee, just kind of enjoy the day. And then I usually wrap up about six. So probably work 10 to six, four days a week. Um, and I achieve all of this stuff. Um, and, and a lot of the discipline is that, um, you know, I put a podcast out on a Tuesday, I put a podcast out on a Thursday, um, and it's very regimented. But within that, I, and obviously in between times I'm, I'm helping clients with, with challenges. Um, so that's kind of my working week. And, and it's just that I'm very clear. I know exactly who my target market are. So all of my focus, all of my energy, all of my effort and creativity goes into serving that market. The other thing I do is I don't do everything myself. I sub out things. I, I, I spend money on having experts helping with the areas I'm not a genius in. My, my core genius is, is doing things like this, creating content and helping my clients succeed. So I try as, as much as possible to stay in that lane. And then the final thing that I do a lot of is read. I, I love to read. I love to speak to other entrepreneurs. I Most of my friends are entrepreneurs uh, and we talk frequently. We're always sharing ideas. And I love that about the entrepreneurial community is the openness to sharing what's working, what's not. And, and I, I'm a lifelong learner. I just, I thrive on learning. I thrive. We met a couple of weeks ago through a, a mutual friend. We have an amazing podcast recording. I'm always excited to talk to you because I love learning. And I think when you, when you create structure and discipline in your week, it actually creates time and space to enjoy doing the things you do. And I think the last thing I'll say on this is stop doing everything yourself because it's not serving you. Yeah, I'm, actually, I'm so glad you brought that point up again because I did want to ask you about that and it reminded me, you know, when you talk about, actually, before I ask this question, just to talk about what you just said, like, I... I listening to you makes me feel calmer about like work life because it's almost like to me when you're talking it's kind of how I think of a creative process as well like these are the things like I know if I do these things the result will be good if I don't do these things if I skip these steps the result won't be good and it's sort of I think it's the same with business if I don't take care of these take care of my clients take care of myself if I don't do these things and actually sit down to do the work I can't get the result. And I, I think a lot of the time we're looking for, there's a lot of people selling like those quick fixes. Like if you do this, you know, mm. you can buy it. And I, I just love that it's kind of like, no, I sit down and, and these are the things that I do. So you mentioned subcontracting. And before earlier uh, in our chat, you also mentioned 
you know, it's hard to trust people. It's hard to give those things up to other people. Um, you know, especially I feel like if you're wearing a, a bit of a perfectionist hat, you know, it's kind of like, is that, is that what's happening? What, for you, did you have sort of this transition where you went from, I want to do everything myself to, I need to let go. And how did you, how did you do that? Yeah, no, absolutely. And, 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 and shocker, big front page news. It was my ego. Oh, I, I, no one can do this like I can. And therefore, you know, if I let somebody else do this, you know, the client won't get the results. So I've got to do it. So I'll work the 17 hours a day. I'll, I'll not spend any time with the family. I'll be the one who's building a business. I'm doing this for the family. And, and it's bullshit. Like, it's just your ego. Um, if you can get somebody else to do a piece of work for you to 80% of the standard you would do it to, that is enough. Um, business is not a solo pursuit. The growth of a business is not a solo pursuit. There are things that you simply don't know and simply can't do. It's a great example. I'm, 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 I'm a bit of a junkie on Fiverr. I had an idea last week about a graphic. Went to my guy on Fiverr. I went, can you do this? He's like, yeah, I can have it by next Thursday. I said, I'll pay you double if you do it by tomorrow. He's like, no problem. Done. And it was brilliant. Now, if I'd messed around trying to do that myself it would have been a complete disaster uh, another one was i wanted to take my data that was in my spreadsheet and create some dashboards and i was like oh how do i do this so i put a call out to one of the masterminds i'm in they were like oh definitely try data studio looked at data studio and went yeah forget about it i, I don't have the time to learn this so went on to fiverr found the most incredible um lady called amina who just happens to be working in Paris as a consultant for Renault, COVID hit, so she put herself in Fiverr. And I've got this absolute gun for a couple of hundred dollars to build me the most incredible dashboard. It took her a week, and now I've got complete visibility of my business. And so deploying resources to find experts to do the thing I'm not good at gives me a better result full stop. But yes, it is ego. It's ego of saying, well, I don't want to have somebody else do this. And then also possibly not, not having enough funds. Because if you're struggling to make ends meet, then it probably isn't a good idea to spend that money on, on, on outsourced help. So if, if you go back to my earlier point about if you really serve your clients, is, is, is you doing your own graphic design if you're not a graphic designer? the best and highest use of your time. No, go to Fiverr. There is incredible talent. If you're somebody who is shooting your own videos and trying to edit them yourself on, you know, iMovie or some other piece of software, send them to Fiverr. And for 20, 30 bucks, you'll get a professional editor to do it for you in five minutes or an hour or whatever. And, you, and it's just that, that psychology, I think, Lauren, of outsourcing the stuff you're not good at. So what I would do is I would write... A, a piece of get a piece of paper, draw a line down the middle, and put high value tasks on one side and low value tasks on another, and write down all of the things that you do in a given week. And no matter if it's like responding to email, updating your website, or creating a graphic, recording a video, put that down and go. Those are low value tasks. Um, Work out how much you want to make in a year. If you want to make $500,000, okay, in a year, which is not unreasonable, um, then, you know, I think that's $500 an hour of your time. 
to make 500,000 uh, a year. So your time should be focused on $500 an hour tasks. That is meeting with clients, prospecting, connections, networking, uh, and creating marketing to communicate with a client, building your authority, doing things like this where you get exposed to somebody else's market. Anything else should be outsourced. So, so if you're focusing, let's, let's call it 40 hours a week. I mean, entrepreneurs, it's like usually 60, but let's call it 40 hours a week on building your business. You should be dedicated to sales and marketing activity and delivering the product and service so that you get happy clients staying because the main role of a business is to acquire and keep a customer. Now, most people worry about getting a customer in the door. And as soon as the job's finished, let them let them leave again. And I, I found that if you spend a really, a really conscious amount of time thinking about your clients and thinking about helping them succeed, why would they ever leave you? Mm. It just doesn't make any sense. So that, that's what I do. I focus on outsourcing things I'm not good at. And I think as creatives and as freelancers, we typically tinker. We go, oh, I'll just learn how to do this thing because that'll be useful. And at some point, someone will need it. But I'm, I'm a big fan of, I use this amazing service called Splashio. And, um, and, and I record videos like this. I send them to Splashio in 24 hours time. They come back with my branding on them, with subtitles. And I think it's $99 for four videos a month, up to five minutes. Why? I've got an edit suite here. I've got 60 terabytes of storage and a rack mount and all the equipment. I can do it, but why would I, why would I do that? when I can pay Splashio $25 a time and have it back in 24 hours. So I can put that video up, go to sleep, come up back the next day and, and it's done. So it's about understanding where your zone of genius is and making sure you're spending all of your time and effort in that space, serving your clients. And if you do that, your business cannot fail. We're going to have to finish up soon, Dem, but I do want to ask you one more question. So we're going to go a little bit over 30 minutes, if that's okay with you. Sure. Um, I think it's an important one, and it's come up so many times throughout our discussion, which is about the importance of knowing who your target audience is. You know, And I think a lot of people struggle with – I mean, I know people who have been in business 10 years and they still haven't worked that out. So are there any sort of quick tips or, or not quick tips that you can give us around actually really honing in who are those 500 people who need my help right now? You know, there's never been a better time to, to reach those people because with platforms like Facebook and LinkedIn, you can find exactly who you're looking for. So the, so the technology exists there. There's never been an easier time in history to reach your target market. The obstacle seems to be the work that's required to needle down on that target market. And I think, I think it's, I think it's fear whenever I, the, the biggest resistance I get when I talk to my clients is, Oh yeah, but I'm worried if I niche down in this area that my other clients will be thinking, Oh, well, he doesn't work with us anymore. And that's not the case. From a marketing perspective, you have to find one market to talk to at a time. When you try and market to everyone, you end up talking to no one. So you need to know, exactly who it is that you work with. And, and a great measure is do an audit 
figure out in the last 12 months, all of your clients, who did you love working with? Who was a pleasure to work with? Who was not negotiating on price, was happy to take your creative direction, was happy to pay more of the work overran? Who are those people? Because that's who you want to be doing business with. And again, it's a bit of effort and a bit of work, but what you want to do is then identify everything there is to know about that one person because that person represents a sector of the market. So in my community, we predominantly work with people in their 40s. They've been freelance for a long time. They've run a business for at least six to 10 years. They have been hitting a revenue ceiling. They're either married or with a partner. They have a couple of kids and they're tired of lugging gear around. They're tired of the feast and famine. They know they should be doing some marketing and they're tired of doing it on their own. That is my market. I don't deal with anyone outside that market. So what happens is we have a community of very similar people with similar values, similar aspirations, uh, who are open to sharing and helping each other succeed. That's taken a long time to get there, probably 11 years. So I think people have perhaps an unrealistic expectation because it's not their fault. You know, the, the whole culture out there is like, just do this course or just do this marketing tactic. And you see these ads all the time. Hey, if, if you want to be like me and make a million dollars selling stuff on Amazon, just do my course. And, and I think there's a culture of immediate quick fix. And the fact is there aren't any quick fixes. You have to do your time. You have to do the work. And what I think happens is people spend too much time fragmenting where they're putting their attention instead of just laser focusing on one thing and going, this is who I help. This is the results we help you achieve. And this is how we can help you achieve them. If you want my help, it's going to cost you this. But I guarantee you that this, this cost will not be significant if you do the work because you'll get the results and it'll pay for itself. Therefore, it's virtually free. But that that seems to be the obstacle, I think, that most people struggle with. It's just the confidence to, to make those steps. Dan, this has been uh, – thank you so much for having this chat with me. This has been so good. We packed – well, you packed so much into this conversation, so much great advice. If people want to find out more about you, what you're doing – uh, get your free eBooks. How do they, what's the best place for them to start? How can they learn more? So just, um, my name is denlenny.com. I also have a podcast called how to scale a video business. Um, but if you go to denlenny.com or punch denlenny into Google, that all that stuff will show up. Awesome. Dan, thank you so much again. Thank you for giving up your time on a Wednesday morning. I'm sure we'll, uh, we'll speak again. My pleasure. Well, I hope you enjoyed listening the whole way through that episode. Dan is awesome, isn't he? He's so great. Head over to danlenny.com. Check out what he's doing, especially if you're a video business. He works with video businesses. Um, really, really great success stories. You'll be able to find all of that on his website as well. Uh, also, you know, if you're looking to be a guest on a show and you can, you think you can contribute to my show or Dan's show, like whenever I feature a podcaster feel free to like, you know, message them, let them know what you do, have a listen to their show. And if you think it's a good fit, message them, tell them that you heard about them through here. That's always really great. It helps them to know that it was worth being on the show. And uh, yeah, and build your brand that way as well. I feature quite a lot of podcasters, always try to let you know when they are podcasters. Really, really good people to have in your network. I love being part of the podcast community. It is awesome. I know there's a few podcasters that listen to this show as well. So um, 
hello. <laughs> you of everyone knows how important it is to have those rating and reviews. So if you're listening to this, if you enjoy the show, um, please consider leaving a positive rating and review. Really appreciate it. All right, I'll be back on Friday for our content marketing episode. This week we're talking about, I shouldn't say content marketing episode. It is a content marketing episode, but it's for our seen and heard live stream. So uh, this week is all about how to create a compelling story, how to tell a compelling story. And we're looking at the five elements of story. So going to be a really, really interesting episode. Stay tuned for that. I'll talk to you then.